Well, the market moves past Jay Powell's testimony, and in the absence of any kind of major escalation, we've seen risk assets absolutely ripping. We've got bullish breaks all over the shop in index land. The US dollar's facing headwinds as high beta FX rallies. We've seen silver going for it. Gold's having some good gains. It's another trade-off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. Now, Blake is obviously American. I'm English, so we're going to have a bit of banter about that situation. But we've also got a lot of focus on the financial markets, and they are absolutely ripping at the moment. We're seeing moves all over the shop. Now, obviously, if you like what you're hearing today, smash that like button. We really, really appreciate that. Leave your comments where you can as well. And we want to see what you're seeing and how you're seeing and you're trading the markets, because that's always really important to us as well. Anyway, I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Blake, I want to talk about football, 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 because that's what it's really called. This nonsense about soccer. Mate, nil-nil, we played you the other day. It was one of the worst games of football that I've ever seen in my in my whole life. Um, we move on to the next game. You played that. You were the better team, from, and it hurts me to say that. You playing. You're playing uh, the Netherlands, and and we're playing Senegal. Uh, I, I probably think that you're probably going to lose that one one nil personally. But uh, yeah, big game of football, 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 football ahead of us. So uh, how are you? Uh, how are you watching that one? You know, as a soccer dad myself, <laughs> no. Uh, no, you know it's it's funny. We we laugh about it in the, in the United States, and we everybody calls it soccer. But those of us that actually are in the sport with our kids or, you know, we do call it football. We're, we're, we're a football club, you know, I like in the MLS. What's that? I don't know how many, 20 teams or so. 17 of them call themselves football club. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> it is. But we have to differentiate from the most popular sport in the United States, which is American football. It's the greatest but, sport. Look, it's the greatest sport. I, I'll give you I, that. I, I'll give you I'll give you that. But I, I will argue that that you give us about 20 years and we will evolve. From you know being Neanderthals to uh, to, to proper, mate. You've uh, got you've got you've got an, a, the strongest economy, more money around than anyone else. You've got three hundred and thirty million people in the UK. You what? You got fifty five million people. You've got a Premier League. Yeah, fine. It's the best sporting oper- yeah league in the world by by some way. But most of the English players are you know playing in the sort of mid to, to lower levels of that. The the top teams, mate. You guys have got the best, strongest economy. You should be killing it at the moment. There's none of this underdog situation. You should have the best team out there by a long way. We're coming. We're coming. <laughs> Give us some time. <laughs> anyway, let's go into topical fun and let's have a look at what's going on in the markets. All right, let's go risk on. Risk on! Because it Whoa. is on at the moment. Now, we heard Jay Powell coming out. Uh, I think, you know, actually, if you listen to the speech that he came out with, it was pretty hawkish. There was no surprises on there. And I think that's all the market wanted to see. We're going into this Fed meeting on, for us, the 15th of December, 14th for you guys uh, in America. Um, and we've just got these little checklists that we need to get past. We want to put risk on. The market says a lot of cash on the sideline. We go past Jay Powell's speech. He didn't really give us any kind of curveballs, any kind of major escalation. There's been this rampant easing of financial conditions coming through. He didn't push back on that situation. And the market said, it's game on. Let's put it on risk. Real rates absolutely cratered. Five-year real rates were down 31 basis points. The dollar got smacked on that. Gold rallied. Silver rallied even harder. And the Nasdaq just absolutely went for it. You know, four and a half percent. You know, second biggest gain of the year. Um, We've gone past the Powell speech. It was the blackout period effectively now starts ahead of that Fed meeting. He had every opportunity to push back on financial conditions. He didn't do it. 
Now we've got you know, risk on. We've got 50 basis points, really much the default position. That's not going to change. Maybe payrolls will change that situation. But there's a lot of cash going on the sidelines coming into the equity market and everything else just propelled. But that moving real rates, that caught me off guard, Blake. And, and, and that is something that, that, that resonated with a lot of traders out there. Yeah, you know, there was a huge move in rates, but I, you know, I, 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 by the way, I missed the live event because I had to, I had to go somewhere for uh, do run an errand anyway, but so I wasn't there. I've read, but I've read all the headlines and I'm looking at them right now. I actually have them right in front of me and I start reading the headlines like, you know, uh, growth and economic activity has slowed well below long-term trend, but, but this needs to be sustained, you know, path ahead for inflation, highly uncertain, you know, he still mentions that inflation is still, you know, far too high Mm. and they're, they're going to stay the course till the job is done. I don't see anything that really should have elicited, elicit such a big move in the market. And there's a few things that are sticking out like a sore thumb to me about chasing risk up at these levels. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I get what you say, risk gets the green light, at least for the day. But the question I'm going to be asking throughout the course of the show is, should we be chasing it higher at this point? And I, I get all the choice. reasons have you, why. If you've got a choice, does it matter? Like if the market's going up, it brings more money in. All these active people are sitting there going, we've got China in a better spot. We'll talk about that in a second. Markets are yep. going up. The active managers are chasing this market at the moment. CTAs are adding length into the market. Does it really matter? Our job is just to try and make money out of this. It's to think less and try and make more, right? So. You know, you're you're right. And and there and there's a lot of breakouts that are occurring. There is a lot that hasn't occurred that I'd really like to see to feel very confident about a continued rally into December. Mm. But um, you know, those are just kind of some of the warning signs I'll be talking about. I don't think there's anything wrong with understanding the warning signs, but uh yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think that's that's the issue. Is 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 is, is do we chase risk here as a, a swing trader, as a momentum trader, you know, whatever your time frame is, um, or do we just let it sort of evolve? Do we buy pullbacks? Obviously, these are the sort of factors we looked at. But uh, you know, a four and a half percent rally in the Nasdaq, a thirty-one basis point move to the downside in real rates. Yeah, these are chunky, chunky moves. You know, is is that is that going to be sustained in the session ahead? We'll have to see. And it sort of tees you up quite nicely for the next subject, I guess. It will. And that teases up nicely for NFP. But also, you know, as we talk about like what we should be expecting for the jobs report, one of the other things I just wanted to mention is let's not forget it was the end of the month. This True. Month, yeah. Or Good point today. Good point. Yep. Yeah. Yep. End, of, end of the month. And a lot of flows going through. Sustainable. We'll see. But a lot of it's going to rely on what happens with the jobs report. You know, the NFP, That's a it's a huge deal for the U.S. Well, it's a huge deal for the world economy because so many people are betting against the U.S. You know, jobs picture. They're expecting that jobs are going to continue to weaken uh, or they're going to start to show, already have showed some signs of weakness. Personally, I still believe that before we start to see a really weak jobs picture, we're looking out into the first quarter of next year. And therefore, you know, when you take you take data, when the market's looking at what, what are, we're looking for, what two hundred thousand jobs? Correct. Yep. We're looking to create two hundred thousand jobs. You saw the ADP number. Yes, it came in a little weaker than expected today. But you know, trying to correlate ADP and non-farm, it's it's a fool. Well, it's game. average. And it's it average one hundred and fifty thousand over the last twelve months under payroll. So yeah, you're right. I mean, it was slightly weaker, yeah. but it has it has average, and it's been a pretty poor precursor of payrolls, right? It has been, and I, and that's a great point. I'm glad you did your homework, Chris, because you always do, and that's one thing I love about you, Chris. Uh, but also, you know, we got to talk about unemployment rate. You know, the market's expecting a little tick up in unemployment. We saw the jobs, the jolts, jobs openings today. Yeah. They came in 
higher than expected. So there's more job openings available. You know, it's it's really hard for me as an American to bet against what I see right now. And I, I see a very vibrant jobs picture here in the U.S. right now. And I think a lot of people are just looking for some sort of sign of weakness anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the question is, what are you going to play? Because right now it seems like the dollar has a head start. Mm. So on a weaker jobs report, are you going to be short the dollar? And what are you going to do it against? I think this, with this with this headwind, with this tailwind and risk that we've been seeing, you know, yeah. like, if we were to be surprised, now obviously this comes into the unemployment rate, which is uh, you know obviously dictated to by the household survey, which last month was obviously quite weak, hence the unemployment rate was at three point seven percent. Or you've got the establishment survey, which um, the BLS look at effectively um, on the uh, yeah, which which dictates the non-farm payrolls, the, the, the headline. So we're looking at the headline number. That's obviously the, the more accurate one. I think that's the one the market puts more weight on. I think if we, if we were to be surprised now, but considering I'm going to bring out another stat for you in the last. I think 17 reports, um, we've seen a payrolls number that's above expectations um, or in line with expectations. So the market is, is, is consistently seeing a payrolls number that, that, that has that. So the surprise would happen if we were to see a miss of expectations. I think if we were to see 130,000 and below, you know, certainly below 100,000, risk is going to absolutely rip it yeah, because this is the calling of the labour market we want to see. This is what the Fed want to see. It would justify a 50 basis point hike and potentially maybe one more in, in, in February. Maybe we get another 50 basis points for February, March, but that takes us, you know, 100 basis points all up. But I think that the risk is, is that if we would get a soft number, which we're not used to, then the dollar's going to come off, dollar yen's going to get absolutely hammered, uh, and the, you know, the Nasdaq's going to take this tailwind that it already has. Uh, obviously, the risk is that if we get a really strong number, like 300,000 or above, we see a, a, an unemployment rate of 3, 3.6, 3.5%, then it does muddy the water a little bit. You know, it, it makes us question you know, whether the Fed have got more juice in the tank there. So you know, nothing's ever easy in this world. But I think given the tailwinds that we've been seeing in this report here and, and, and what we've been seeing in this session, a weak number, and, and yeah, it's just gonna, it's going to be another tick that the market needs to see a slight calling of the labour market, Nasdaq goes up three and a half, four percent So that's really what we're looking at. And I want to talk about China as well, because, you know, we can talk about the US labour market and the catalyst that you were just talking about there, Blake. But um, one of the big issues is, is that China is in a better spot. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, this is a fickle situation. Um, you know, one minute we're, we're, we're hearing about you know, new COVID measures. We're seeing these um, you know, quarantine hospitals which are being put up um, to ring fence certain individuals with, with, with the Rona. And, um, you know, the, the news flow is not obviously non-linear. We're getting full starts about reopening and, and all these factors. But I think, yeah, if you look at the tape that we're seeing in the Hang Seng, in the CN50, um, in the hate shares, yeah, the Chinese equity market is absolutely ripping it at the moment. And the, the Chinese yuan is strengthening as a result of the inflows that are coming into the Chinese equity markets. And the yuan is absolutely ripping. And obviously, that's then reverberating into a stronger Aussie and Kiwi as well. So, look, I think you are seeing some clear signs of improvement. You know, you saw Guangzhou uh, easing some of its COVID measures. We've seen the vice premier, uh, who's also the lady who's in charge of the COVID operations. She's removed the COVID zero uh, mantra in her recent speech as well. So she's downplaying the situation. She's changed to a new phase. Um, we've seen issues that are happening in Beijing around PCR testing as well. And so, yeah, it's pretty clear that, that the COVID measures are, are easing. Um, there's been big measures that have been put in place to help the property developers. You know, for the first time, I think since 2000, and I think it's 2015, um, 
property developers are allowed to issue equity so they can buy property. Um, and, and there's other measures to try and get to access cash as well. So it's pretty clear that things are changing and that reopening probably looks like it's going to take place uh, around sort of March, end of March into April time. And they're setting the stage there. So risk assets in China are ripping at the moment. And, and I like them higher. How do you like them, Blake? Well, I do. And I think, but for me, you know, as an American, I'm a little bit more challenged on how I can play it. Uh, but I have to tell you, you know, and I know we pointed out the the China charts just a couple of weeks ago. You and I had this discussion about yeah. China and you're right. And, and you know, th- just this weekend, all the protests, you know, people, you know, they, they bid, yeah. they, they, they offered the market at the open. Yep. I'm like, you guys, you know, don't fall for that. Just, you know, <laughs> Get long risk. China's yep. going to pop back. You know, this is this is not something that everybody should be worried about. That's the kind of the the, the message we've been giving our traders as well. But I'll tell you what, the US dollar CNH, one of the chart that sticks out like a sore thumb to me is this really big head and shoulder pattern. And if it breaks below seven, if we lose seven on the dollar CNH exchange rate, that thing's got a lot lower to go. So and let me ask you this. Then. So if you, of, if you think it's going yeah. lower, then... Um, you go and pay dollar CNH, which you know, the spreads on that are, are wider than Aussie dollar, and the correlation is still pretty high. So, would you therefore take a, a, a positive view on the Aussie dollar as the result of the, the, the strengthening you want? I think you have to, right? And I, and but you don't necessarily have to trade it over uh, over the dollar. You could actually even do it over the uh, the New Zealand dollar, which I believe we talked about the Aussie Kiwi last week, mm. Chris. All right. So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Good lad. <laughs> no, you're right, mate. But I think China, China's in a better spot. There's no doubt about that right now. And, um, you know, a lot of people will disagree with me. You know, you can put your comments in there and tell me how you feel about this situation. But the news flow is changing. Um, it's hard to know what to believe. But at the moment, but for me, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what's happening. It's, it's, the, it's, how the, it's how the tape plays out. And that's what we're trading. The market is right in this situation. And, you know, especially when you're trading with leverage. So, yeah. There well, we the, market's, the market's always right, right, Chris? No, always right. <laughs> It is. All right. Well, hey, you know, uh, this is what I'm not too sure we're right or wrong about is where the S&P is going to be by year end. And, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, Chris, you know, you and I followed each other for probably close to, I want to say, seven or eight years on social media, somewhere in that neighborhood, I'd guess. Um, I, I did a poll, uh, and and I, I, I said, you know, is the S&P going to be above or below 4,000? The reason being is we're at such a critical level here, just where the 200-day moving average is, channel resistance. There's a lot of reasons why this whole area that we're in in the S&P is a big deal. But the reason why I mentioned this, because I had somebody, some trader, some day trader woman, she's like, useless poll. And I'm like, it's not a useless poll. The reason why is I have a lot of retail traders that follow me mm. and will vote. And I take I do these types of polls as sentiment indicators. So today, specifically going into Jay Powell's speech, I close out all my positions because if you take the poll on my Twitter account, you'll notice that uh, out of 600 some odd votes that's still going until the end of this week, 53%, over 53% think that we're going to close below 4,000. Now, that's a bearish sentiment to me. That means the market's leaning more short. And that that was just a warning to me that I think the market's going to get caught short today. And they did. And so reading that type of sentiment is really important. But more importantly, Chris, where do you think we're going to be by the end of the year? Do you think the S&P is going to be perched above 4,000 or do you think we're going to be below 4,000? Well, our job as traders is not necessarily to prophesize, is it? It's not to predict. It's just to go, it's, it's, it's to react and, and uh, you know, go along with it. So, I mean, for me at the moment, it's, it's yeah, use a mechanical stop loss, use a, 
three and eight day exponential moving average. Just stay in the trade. And if it breaks 200 day moving average, I guess you're probably going to get a bit more capital coming in because yeah, good things happen above the 200 day moving average, don't they, at the end of the day. And you've got this idea that we're going to go into probably into that. Yeah, we've got a Fed blackout period. You know, luckily, there's going to be no real major Fed speakers from here on, which is a, a welcome relief. And we've got to really look ahead to uh, the, the CPI print, which comes out the day before the Fed meeting. That is going to be an absolute blockbuster. So we've got this gulf. We've got this gulf of, of really you know, lack of sort of tier two, tier one data. Um, and if the market's going up, it doesn't really matter. Stay in the move, stay in the move and just trail that. You use those mechanical stops and then you take the emotion out of the market. So my job is not to predict, it's just to, to, to ride it. But I do think that that power of, of flow with um, active managers, um, with uh, you know, um, CTAs who'd be chasing yeah. this move uh, is, is a very powerful situation. Obviously, if it rolls down and rolls over, then you get out of the trade and, and do something about it pretty quick smart. Um, but we are in a period where seasonally these things happen and, and, and we don't have necessarily any major data until the CPI print. Uh, we're what watching you- what happens with China and um, I think 50 basis points is firmly discounted. So if it keeps going up, keep, stay long. You you use and I and and I know that our time's up here, Chris. But you used a term, FOMU, I know. a couple F- weeks ago of when me- we talked about F- this. F- Remember, fear we talked of meaningfully about people- underperforming, not just missing there out, but go. underperforming. That's, and then that, that's something. Keep an open mind. It could it could it could, it could rally, and, and there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. And uh, you know, yeah, if you're yeah, what's the the S and P's what down fourteen and a half percent. Uh, year to date, if you're down 16% and you're saying to your clients, I'm down 16%, where's the 150 basis points coming through? You got to get paid, G! And that means oh. chasing the market. FOMO! <laughs> FOMO! Anyway, let's go, into the, uh, let's go into the charts that matter. Let's go to that's a setup. I was tossing up this morning, uh, Blake, between the Aussie dollar chart and the uh, and dollar yen charts there. So I love that dollar, Aussie, Aussie dollar chart. It's just about to break out. But then again, if I'm going to stick up a chart the dollar yen. It's a similar situation. Um, you know, we've got this payrolls number coming through in, in not tonight, but in the session ahead of that. Obviously, that's going to have big implications for the dollar. Um, you know, if you have a look at interest rates at the moment in the US, 50 basis points done deal now really in the eyes of the market for that, that 15th of December meeting. We'll have to see what happens to the, the inflation number the day before. Um, but look, we're, we're about to crack. We're not chipping away at the floor, aren't we, on this one? And, uh, you know, we're holding in for dear life, but it looks like the sellers had every chance to, to, to move we traded back into that former trend resistance level that the market sold off pretty much the dime. And it just looks like it's about to go down and go down hard into that 200 day moving average into 134. Obviously, that's going to be conditional on you know, a further risk rally. It's going to be conditional on you know, bond yields coming down at the front end and real rates moving lower. Um, but I think rates are fully priced in the US now. I don't see any real reason to move on that. And that keeps the, the US dollar vulnerable. So I reckon this one looks like it's about to crack lower. I think one. 34, that 200-day moving average is a, is, a, is a fair target on this one. As I say, I don't really necessarily use targets on this, but that's where I'll be looking. What are you thinking, Blake? You know, um, well, first of all, I couldn't agree with you more. And I and I, and I I don't, you know, I know it's nice if we can banter and, and not agree on everything, but this chart is trading really heavy. One of the things, Chris, that, that it's not pointed out in your chart, but right above where we're currently at is the 618 retracement of basically, you know, those lows 
uh, I want to say uh, way back, um, gosh, you know, way back here in December, you know, basically the, the the lows of the year to the highs of the year, we're at the 618 retracement, we're below it now, and we're getting a firm grip below it. So, you know, a break, I, I have to agree with you, a break below like 137.50, you got to target the 200-day moving average. I think that that's a reasonable target. It's not like, you know, uncalled for or out of reach for, for a move like this, especially I've known a lot of traders trying to pick bottoms. Uh, you know, in the dollar yen. You know what happens when you pick bottoms? Confucius, is it? <laughs> no, you right. get smelly fingers. Let me let me tell you yeah. another thing about like this. You're trading with a trend. We had this big liquidation coming down. The market's consolidated. It's tried to rally, smack back down. It feels like the probabilities this goes late. But you're also going to start as we turn in the in the new year. We're going to be looking at a situation where people are looking at Kuroda's term at the end of the Bank of Japan up in April. What happens at life after Kuroda? A change in policy could see big, big moves in the Japanese yen uh, as changes, yeah. and you're front-running that. So I think the yen for next year could be one of the currencies that absolutely you need to look out for, and you're trading on the right yeah, side that's of that. one of those, you, you know, guys and gals, if you just did not, like, really take a good note there, you should. Yeah. You should rewind and go rewind about a minute ago. <laughs> All right, Chris, the next... The next chart is it follows a very similar path of yours as the dollar Swiss. This is actually a bearish pennant or a, I call it the Swiss flag. It's a bear flag though. And um, the the one thing I don't, I, I want to point out, well, actually there's a couple things I want to point out that move above 101 uh, there, you can see like it was a double top, but more importantly, it was a big false breakout, caught a lot of traders chasing the dollar Swiss higher. They got caught shorting Swiss francs. It turned around. We slumped below the 200-day moving average. And notice how the flag or the pennant has been consolidating below the 200-day moving average for quite some time. Now, pennants are interesting uh, because they can obviously play out to the downside. The, 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 the risk is a fur, you know, for a further move lower, but it doesn't mean we have to. And, and obviously, with the jobs report coming up on Friday, that could actually dictate whether we get a severe breakdown. And I'm looking at the 90 370 level support. You can see that big blue line across the bottom. It's it's had multiple times uh, tries to get below there, and it, it's been a very big pivotal area. But at the same time, in the event the dollar does turn around, this also gives you really good risk reward to play to the long side should we get a dollar bullish reaction. So it is a setup. That's what this segment's mm. about. Chris, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's true. Because, like, yeah, I mean, the, the whole point of these pennants is that you you after a big move, you get this consolidation. The bulls have tried to push price up. The sellers are saying, no, you're not having a piece of that. But they then yeah. they don't have the uh, the emphasis to push this to the downside as well. So there's a real battle going on. No one's got the authority at the moment. And 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 that's why we wait for the market to reveal itself and, and reveal one of those parties. And when it do when it does, that dictates our bias and we trade accordingly. That's what the that's why that's so so good about these these patterns. But you know, I think 70, 80% of the time it will it will rectify to the downside or at least in line with the the underlying trend. And as you rightly point out, that would dictate that we're going to need to probably see a weak payrolls number, a calling of the labor market, which then sees, you know, front end rates moving a little bit lower. Um, but again, you know, wait for the market to reveal itself. And I think you've got a nice trade. If it, certainly if it, that breaks the downside, then I'll be going along with that. Similar to what we've been seeing in dollar yen, you'd have a similar vibe playing through. Um, but if it does break to the downside and it, certainly if it breaks through that horizontal support low, uh, level, then you've got some good downside on the trade. And, and, and I think that's a really clear one. React. You know, it's not just about prophesizing. It's about reacting. And uh, that's what's so good about these pennant patterns is when it breaks and it, and it, and it, and it uh, solidifies, 
you know, you've got a really, you've got a higher conviction trade there. So that's what I like about it. Anyway, let's go to um, another one because we talked about real rates and, and how that's impacted the dollar and, and silver's a chart that's really come up on the radar this moment. You know, gold's been well traded by clients. It always is. But, you know, if we have a look at the move in silver, the, the higher beta play, you know, you've seen a four and a half percent move in silver. What I like about this, Blake, is that, yeah, where this kind of make or break point, you know, it's going to require a weaker dollar. We're going to need to see real rates continuing to, to, to come off pretty sharply there. But we are into this, this major sort of resistance level. So we've probably seen a few scalping business coming through, people looking to pick that, 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 they, they, these levels here, hoping for a little bit of a move lower. Um, but, yeah, for me, I'm waiting for that closing break in the session ahead. Um, who knows? This may start bull trending. It might start trending quite nice. It's already had a really big move, as we know from those October lows. But we are into this big, uh, big resistance level. What I like about this, Blake, is you've got this kind of rounded bottom, this really, really nice rounded bottom back into that 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 kind of neckline of the of the pattern. A break above this would be very powerful, in my opinion. This is why I've got it on as a setup. I think we're at this kind of make or break zone. If it breaks the upside, I think you've got some really good upside in silver. Uh, you know, it's uh, that 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 big blue line that you have there That's is it. also the fifty. It's the fifty percent retracement of that entire chart, right. and that comes in at twenty. 50 roughly that's the that's the level i'm looking at 2050 2051 and you're right it's a big it's a big level you know one of the other things i love about silver right now and precious metals just in general is the silver gold ratio is really breaking higher and when you have silver outpacing gold that tends to tell you that there's a sustainable rally coming in precious metals or you know there's a good chance of it so you know that's one of the other things that really supports this type of move i am a little hesitant because i look at gold and i'm like why isn't gold trading above 1800 yet I, that one i you know that's kind of like a mystery to me at the moment so i would definitely feel better about being long gold or precious metals if i saw or excuse me i'd be more adamant about buying precious metals if i saw gold breaking out too but silver looks good leading the charge higher beta play I like it, Chris. And again, above 2050, I think it looks really bullish. I like so, it. I like it. I like yeah, silver. Me too. But yeah, especially on a close back above those that, that, that horizontal uh, level, because that's where the resistance gives way. And it tells you that the path of least resistance is probably higher. So, you know, th this is a, a great setup for me that, 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 that yeah, should it, should it be rectified, then I think it yeah, offers a decent upside to silver going into year end and into Q1. It's awesome. All right, Chris. Well, the next chart I'm going to bring up is the VIX. Now, this is. Volatility is not necessarily something that I, I I trade per se. I use it. And this is one of the, you know, going back to our earlier conversations about the S&P, one of the, and, and about the markets in general, risk in general, one of the things that I wanted to see, and I was telling our traders today, I wanted to see volatility below 20. I wanted to see VIX slam below that trend line, that ascending triangle support. The, that, the fact that we didn't break it scared me a little bit to chase the markets higher up at these current levels. Now, that doesn't mean that the VIX ain't, it couldn't open up and below that level uh, overnight and in, in going into European trade, but the VIX is one of those confirmation tools that I am using. It looks bearish, but you know things look really bearish when they're at support. You know They look really bullish when they're at resistance. We happen to be at support, looks bearish, but I am looking for a move below 20. And if we get below 20, that's kind of like that green light that opens me up for a move in the S&P up to 4,200. But anyway, what are your thoughts about the technical setup here on the VIX? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd probably look at it from, um, I mean, the VIX is a bit misleading, as we know. Um, I mean, if you look at things like the put call ratio, um, that's come down to 0.7. Um, 
What we're really looking for, of course, we know is, is I think for twofold, Blake, is, is one, the level of hedging that's in the market and, the, and the, the propensity for people to pay for those hedges when equity markets are ripping. When equity markets are ripping, are people saying we want to have a hedge? You know, it costs money to have a hedge uh, and, and that's yeah. where we are. So to buy put protection um, when markets are ripping, um, you know, it can be costly to do so because you're going to lose that premium effectively, um, uh, or you're going to you're going to you're going to lose whatever you're paying for. So I think that's an interesting one. Um, the other the other way to look at uh, the VIX and and and, and realise volatility, if you're to look at that, is 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 you know some of these volatility uh, dynamic funds who, who target levels of volatility. If it's coming down, then they're going to they're going to add weight to the market, which is going to propel the market higher. So you know, if it, if it was to break to the downside, if we were to see it, you know. Yeah, below twenty percent. Yeah, and realise volatility goes goes yeah lower as well. Yeah, will that just mean that these these hedge funds who target levels of volatility are going to ramp up even more um, equity exposure into that? So yeah, I mean the, the, the volatility is a, is, a, is a great asset class in itself, and therefore yeah, I think it's probably worth having a, a go on the radar. So definitely one um, to, to to view there. So thanks for bringing that up, Blake. And um, I guess it's time to to look at the play of the day. Mr. Morrow, I'm going to sort of summarise this all back into one chart. So I'm going to just chuck it out there and let's have a look at the NAS 100. You've got that higher Ooh. high there, you know, 4.5%, 200-day moving average. I'm going to say I'm going to go for it. I think it, I think it goes there. i got the risk got game uh, mantra. I think we, we, we break that 200-day moving average. I, I think, you know, we, we had a bit of a face breakdown on this, um, on, on, on the yeah, back in, in, in August of, of the downtrend, uh, that rectified itself. Are we going to see another failed breakout? I'm not so sure. I think this now starts rallying. I could be wrong. I'm obviously you know, wrong quite often, and, and, and that's why we use stop losses, in which case I'm using this mechanical stop of the three crossing back below the eight-day um, eight exponential moving average. But if this kicks up, if it really kicks up, you know, you could be looking at five, ten who knows by the end of the year percent you know, gains coming through and I want to stay in there so you know I'm, I'm, I'm long the market and um, you know I'm, I'm happy to cut out when, when the, the averages cross over get out of the trade and um, yeah, move to the sidelines um, but I think it's making all the right noises at the moment and you know what if it, if it keeps going I'm in the market and, and uh, you know I'm chasing now I'm not an active fund manager myself but uh, you know I want to make profits like the next man out there so um, yeah I want to be in this market and if it does keep going I'm in the market you're just you're just scared of FOMO. No FOMO. No, I like FOMO. Bring on the FOMO. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, my my play of the day is going to be rude, crude, and I know I've used I've used the the title before, but the reason why I used it this time is because we did get that false breakdown, and there were some OPEC headlines that reversed the market uh, the middle of last week. But what's happened in crude is we did make a false breakdown. We are testing the thirty eight percent retracement comes in just a little above 82. It's like 82.10, 82.20. That's the 38% retra- retracement. We tested that today. Then you have previous support at 83, just above that. So the thing is, Chris, if we get above 83, I think it could be long. You look for more rude, crude, You know, catching people on the wrong side, turning higher, maybe above the 50-day moving average. We might make it back up towards 90. I love this from, you You know, I love false breakdowns. I love false breakdowns. I love false breakouts. You showed one in the NASDAQ. I love that. Uh, crude, similar type of setup. You got a false breakdown. You're going to get the, you're going to get the momentum chasers right above that 83 bucks. And I think crude could be a nice play to Quick the Quick one, uh, OPEC this weekend. Are they going to cut 
output production, which could would, would favour your trade, or do they not? Which potentially on Monday you could see a little bit of gapping risk. So you've got the OPEC meeting this weekend. Are you expecting anything from that, or do you know? Does it really I'm not, not matter? I'm not, much? I'm not. I'm not expecting anything from that. And, uh, and and all the people that I talk to really are becoming more dismissive of OPEC. But we've seen they can actually move the market. So uh, so I think it's worth noting. Yeah, good stuff. All right, thank you, Mr. Morrow. And thank you to everyone who's been watching the show. Give us a like, leave your comments about all the stuff that we've been talking today. Obviously, got a bit of a pro-risk bias. Could be wrong, could be right. We'll have to see. Let me know how you think about this situation. And let us know why it's actually called football and not called soccer. Like the rest of the world, the norms out there who, who believe that as well. Anyway, we'll see you ne- back next week for more of The Trade-Off. Trade-Off.